I am Debbie Georgettis. Welcome to America Can We Talk. Today we'll talk about President's Day, Happy President's Day in the 2020 elections, the Jesse Smollett hoax meltdown, and Kamala Harris, and hoaxers, hate speech, and America's future. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And welcome again to America Can We Talk and today's first five on Deep Dive Monday. I mostly today want to talk about the unbelievable unraveling of a hoax perpetrated by an actor, Jesse Smollett, and what he claimed happened in a dark street in Chicago in the middle of the night in sub-zero temperatures in January. We'll mostly talk about that today. I wanna to talk about in the first five today about President's Day. I love we have a day honoring the presidency. I really wanna say about above everything else is that right now, we're in 2019, we are really already kind of you know opening the door toward the 2020 presidential elections. We've had I don't know what it is, 12 or 13 Democrats declare they're considering running for president next year. And obviously Donald Trump is planning to run again as Republican candidate. What I really urge people to think about and to begin talking about is the outcome of the 2020 elections depends on whether or not America is still a nation of thinkers, patriotic thinkers, or are we a nation that can be too easily manipulated and morphed into voting for things that will not be good for this country. Think about where we are right now in 2019. Fabulous employment numbers. People are working. The heart and soul of a free market, an entrepreneurial economy is people finding jobs, people creating businesses. Our economy is booming. We're having a just a fabulous experience with the jobs coming back to America, more people finding jobs, lowest unemployment rate among women, uh, minorities of every background, black, Hispanic uh, minorities. We have fabulous employment numbers, which means the free market is humming. So we have things going very well under a Republican administration. And then we have a cascade of characters planning to run, who've announced they're going to run, in the 2020 election cycle. And I want you to, to urge you, no matter what you personally think of Donald Trump, whether you do like his brusque New York style or you don't, think about where our country is and where the Democrats would take this country. They actually do mean it. When they tell you they want to radically change this country, I'll give you just a few examples. Every declared Democrat candidate for president has, in one degree or another, agreed with or expressed support for the Green New Deal. If you missed my show about the Green New Deal, I think last week or two weeks ago, I urge you to go back. If you're on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you are, go back and look at that story. I really broke down the bill. The Green New Deal is not even 10% about energy. It has a ridiculous energy component, but it is about the radical transformation of America away from a free market economy and toward a collectivist government controlled economy. It gives guaranteed basic income to all. It gives income to people even who are only 
unwilling to work, not unable, unwilling to work. It mandates socialized medicine, Medicare for all, socialized medicine is right in that bill. In that bill, it also, it, it just crushes the energy industry in our country, calls for not just mildly, you know, aggressive or, you know, kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit in terms of energy policy. It calls for eliminating all energy except solar and wind within 12 years. People, we're not going to do that within 500 years, not even close, but we have a left-wing country, a left-wing party in this country, the Democrat Party, so far off the, the track of America, so far off the, the track of a free market economy, they're actually talking. They're actually cheerfully smiling with and getting on with the idea of an, our energy in our country being completely controlled from Washington and being exclusively based on renewable energy, not only impossible, but absurd, absurd. That bill by itself, your willingness to support that means you are willing to surrender a free market America. When you're gonna have jobs guaranteed for everyone by the federal government, anyone could have a job who wants one, the government authorized to take any necessary steps to correct past injustices you are talking about the complete socialist takeover of this country, and every Democrat running for president has backed that bill. Second, astonishingly un-American bill, the Democrat Party is supporting H.R. 1, which is the elimination of honest elections in this country. It is mandating, H.R. 1 mandates the methods used in California to bring about voter fraud, to permit people who are not citizens to vote, to prevent people who are trying to clean up the voter records and have only actual citizens permitted to vote. You can't clean the voter rolls anymore. H.R. 1 is designed to put in place, to cement, to cement cheating at the ballot box. It's a bill no one should be standing for, and yet the Democrat candidates for president are saying, sure, it looks good to me, let's go for that. One of the main contenders, Democrat, thinking about running, Beto O'Rourke, actually said last week at the border, if it were up to him, he would take down all of the walls between America, all of the fencing, all of the security between America and Mexico. He actually said that and defended it with his hyper arm-waving, gesturing, psychotic way of talking. But he actually said that. He thinks it's a great idea. Remove the fencing along the southern border. This is a serious candidate, allegedly, potentially, for president of the United States. What the Democrats did just last week in this country, when they had to get to some bill with President Trump to move the government forward to, to avoid having another shutdown, they had to come to agreement about funding the border wall. They funded only a tiny portion of what President Trump asked for, but on top of that, they wrote into the bill numerous provisions that would make it impossible to actually have a secure border, including any local official would have the right in border communities to override the decision to place a wall or fencing in their, in their community. The Democrats wrote into that bill, which Trump was forced to sign, the complete elimination of any possible serious border control. You have no right 
to say you stand up for America, to say you want to be president of this country if you cannot stand for serious, earnest, enforceable border security. So on President's Day 2019, keep that in mind. Watch what the Democrats say they're going to do. And remember, if, they become, if one of them becomes president and they were to win the Senate and keep the House, we'd be looking at the destruction of our, our just booming, prosperous American economy. We cannot let that happen. I'm Debbie Georges. This is my first five. Stay tuned for a three-second break. We're going to come right back and talk about what is happening to Jesse Smollett's hoax. Big time meltdown. Be right back. Welcome back again to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis. This is a deep dive Monday. I want to hit the story about this hoax that has now been uncovered. An actor, Jesse Smollett, who is an actor on a, a show called Empire. Frankly, I never heard of him or the show before this hoax. But I want to put his picture up. I think we have his picture. I want to talk about what he claimed happened, what we now know no happened based on police reports, based on his co-conspirators coming forward and acknowledging the whole attack on him was a hoax, and what his lawyers came out with today. They came out today with a statement saying, Jesse Smollett stands by his story. He is outraged and disappointed and angry that people would dare to question his story. The reason it's so important to go through this is that this is not just some random hoax that somehow caught national media attention. This was a deliberate attempt to steer the American political conversation, to plant fear in the hearts and minds of Americans. So I have a bunch of clips of his interview. What happened essentially was on the very early morning, January 29th in Chicago, when it was well below zero in the middle of the night, two in the morning, he claims he went out to get to Subway, a 24-hour Subway to get a sandwich, get some food, and that he was mugged on the way back. I'm going to first play a clip that showed, this is an interview he gave where he described, and this is, I believe, my happy friend, yeah, uh, Matt, the happy producer, clip one, his first thing he had to say. I'm pissed off. What is it that has you so angry? Is it the the attackers? It's the is attackers, it? but it's also the attacks. It's like, you know, at first it was a thing of like, listen, if I tell the truth, then that's it, because it's the truth. Mm -hmm. Then it became a thing of like, oh, how can you doubt that? Like, how do you, how do you not believe that? It's the truth. And then it became a thing of like, oh, it's not necessarily that you don't believe that this is the truth. You don't even want to see the truth. So what he's starting to do here, again, this occurred January 29th. This story, and I'm going to read you some of the tweets, some of the quotes, NAACP, every activist Democrat, presidential candidates came out and just, just fomenting outrage over his story, which essentially was that two white guys, two white men, 
in this neighborhood in Chicago in the middle of the night wearing MAGA hats, M-A-G-A, Make America Great Again, wearing MAGA hats, attacked him as he was walking out of a subway. He is um, obviously black. He's also gay. He's also, and he's very outspoken, um, he, you know, a activist, a gay activist and a black actor. As I say, he's on some show, Empire, which I don't even know what it is, but he is apparently on this show and on the show was about to have his part cut. But in any case, he came out with a story and the police, of course, immediately began an intense investigation. He claimed in describing the story that the people attacking him actually called him. Well, actually, let me just play what he, this is a clip too. Let me, here's what he says that happened in the attack. When I landed in Chicago and Frank Gatson, who's like my uncle, and he's also my creative director, and he picked me up. And then we got back to the apartment. There was no food. And so I went out to Walgreens thinking that they were 24 hours and to have a smoke. <laughs> uh, Walgreens was closed. Um, so I called him up and I said, hey, I'm gonna run to Subway, which was across the street, and I'm gonna get a salad. Do you want anything? I went to the Subway and got the order. During that time, I texted my manager thinking that he was still in Australia because he was on an Australian tour with one of his other clients. Mm -hmm. And I said, yo, call me when you can. He called me immediately. And while he was on the phone, I uh, heard, as I was crossing the intersection, I heard Empire. And I don't answer to Empire. <laughs> My name ain't Empire. Uh, and I didn't answer. I kept walking and then I heard Empire. So I turned around and I said, did you just say to me? And I see the uh, attacker uh, masked and he said, this MAGA country punches me right in the face. So I punched his ass back. And then um, we started tussling, you know, it was very icy. And we ended up tussling by the stairs, uh, fighting, fighting, fighting. There was a second person involved who was kicking me in my back. And uh, then it just stopped. And they ran off and I saw where they ran and the phone was in my pocket, but it had fallen out and it was sitting there and my manager was still on the phone. So I picked up the phone and I said, Brandon, and he's like, what's going on? And I said, I was just jumped. And I, then I looked down and I see that there's a rope around my neck, which I hadn't You hadn't noticed that, it before? No, you didn't because see? it was so fast. You know what I'm saying? It was so fast. How long did this all It felt take like minutes, but it probably was like 30 seconds, honestly. Let me remind you of something. This young man is an actor. I wanted to actually play that for you, kind of in fairness to him. That's his story is given to an interviewer, I think ABC interviewer. So he recounts his story. What has unfolded since then? The reason it's so important to understand this is because the American left is using this incident to instill fear, to perpetuate fear, resentment, belief in the picture they try to paint of America as a deeply racist place. And in his case, also, he's claiming that he was attacked because he's gay and that the attackers made some reference to his sexual orientation. So he, they're trying to portray this image of a young man who simply went out to get a sandwich at night and got mugged and is now facing, and we're going to go through the steps and tell you why he's facing such questioning about the story. But for, I want to show you, there's actually a, um, a picture, I don't know if you can get to it, 
Okay, well, actually, I'll, I'll play this clip next. I wanted to freeze on the end of this next clip. This is what's happened, among many other things. So he claims his manager heard the whole attack on the phone, but he would not give the police his phone. Never, still hasn't given the police his phone. He finally gave the police access to his phone records, which the police described as heavily redacted. He wouldn't give the police his phone. And that, I'm gonna play this short segment, this is three, and then talk to you about the attackers that seem to have appeared on the screen here. The police have gone through a lot of video and they were able to capture an image of two people of interest. Okay, there they are. The police have gone through a lot. Yeah, I wanna make sure we can get that image up there. Okay, so these two people, these, this image, as soon as the police had this, let me back up and say, in Chicago, I read one number, I'm sure it's more than this by now, but police have gone through something like 360 hours of surveillance video trying to find, and this is in a heavily camera-filled area, an area there are many cameras on the streets. They have watched at least 360 hours and found nothing, found no attack. They found these two people, this picture of these two people, so they put this up. Does anyone know who this is? Someone going to come forward? Well, they did finally locate and identify those two people who have acknowledged they're the ones in this video. They are brothers. They are, of, they are Nigerians, as in the country in Africa, Nigeria. They are Nigerians. Their names, I'm going to use their nicknames because they have very long names I would not want to mispronounce. But Abel and Ola Osandario. Now, we have a picture of them, a better picture. These two, that's a picture on the street. These are the two brothers. These two brothers. One of them is Jesse Smollett's trainer. Both have appeared in this Empire show that Jesse Smollett was an actor in. So they both know him. They both admit that is, that is their picture, that grainy picture in the street in Chicago. They both have acknowledged that. One of them worked with Jesse Smollett to help him when he was training for some scene that the guy's a personal trainer, somehow train him for that scene, work with him in, in personal training. So they know him. When their picture was identified, that picture from the street, and then the police identified, the police went to their apartment. These two guys living in the area go to their apartment and go in and search. They have now found from searching that apartment that the rope, oh, that one thing, by the way, back to Jesse Smollett's story, he claimed bleach, bleach, you know, was poured on him, his longer version. I couldn't, I didn't want to play the whole long story, but he claimed afterwards, he realized that during the attack, bleach was poured on him and he could smell, you know, it has a distinctive smell, he recognized the smell of bleach. He claimed a rope was put around his neck. So the police go, they go in these young men's, these brothers' apartment, and they find rope, they find the receipt from Ace Hardware. They go to Ace Hardware and confirm these two bought, and it, it is by the police being described, bought the rope that was then put around Jesse Smollett's neck. These two in their apartment also had bleach. Now, a lot of people have bleach, but anyway, they had bleach. The police began to question these two as suspects, thinking these two had been the ones who mugged Jesse Smollett. 
these two have now said, wait a minute, we're not going down for this. This, these two who are friends, friends, co-workers with the alleged victim have said, you know what? The whole thing was a hoax. We did this because Jesse Smollett asked us to do this. This was staged. It was a hoax. We even rehearsed how to do it. They told the police we rehearsed how to do this attack. So these two are now, I don't know if they're turning state's evidence, but the Chicago police have now acknowledged they are no longer suspects in any wrongdoing, suspects in the attack on Jesse Smollett, and they've confirmed that after interviewing these two, the statements they gave to Chicago police have caused the police to change the trajectory of their investigation. Police are now saying, these two are saying that as a matter of fact, you know, we, we, it, the entire thing was staged. The entire thing was staged. This Smollett, say they, gave them money to go to the hardware store and buy rope, gave them money to go to buy red caps. They weren't actually MAGA hats, but they were red caps. Gave them money to do that. Um, and the brothers bought the rope and the red hats at the instruction of Smollett. So the guy is, these people are turning on him or they're, they're I mean, they're probably trying to avoid themselves. And they were gonna be paid, of course. The payment was something like 3500 at the start and 500 after, something like that. Point is, they were paid. They've told the police they were paid. The police have now said, the, uh, excuse me, the, uh, after talking with these witnesses, this has caused the police investigation to shift trajectory. They're trying to say we're not in a position to confirm anything yet, but it's changed the investigation. The police, the brothers have agreed to cooperate with the police who are now looking into the story about whether Smollett made it all up. Um, and there is, a, after pol the police had, by the way, threatened to charge these two with hate, with a battery and with hate crimes. So, you know, these two are not up for going to jail for Smollett. So now they're cooperating with the police. Um, the other thing, is that there's many, many aspects of this story, but the reason I want to go into, and I'm going to go into much more detail, is that it's very easy for people to just be dismissive of a story like this and say, oh, it was a hoax, he made it up. But the facts keep unfolding and unfolding and unfolding that show that Jesse Smollett made up this attack. We're gonna get to both the question of why and also the question, what did he plan to do? By the way, in the interview uh, in a moment ago that we were looking at when uh, Jesse Smollett was giving his one interview, he agreed when the picture was up on the screen of the two guys, the grainy picture of them walking in Chicago street at night, he agreed he thought those were the attackers. Now these two, what happened to my friends over here? These two have agreed that they are in that, 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 that you know, yeah, they both said, yeah, that, that's us. That picture, that is us on the streets of Chicago. So they're acknowledging, so the police are now saying these individuals are not classified as suspect. The other thing that's interesting in that neighborhood where Jesse Smollett lives was there was another person from the neighborhood who said, you know, the whole story doesn't make a lot of sense because this is, first of all, I mean, he claimed it was a, an attack where he was vilified for being black and for being gay. But this one 
longtime resident in the neighborhood gave an, a statement to a journalist saying, this is a you know, half-black neighborhood, heavily gay. I mean, the idea that two MAGA hat-wearing white guys were out in sub-zero temperature in the middle of the night in this neighborhood, I mean, they were, the person was saying, sounds kind of shaky, sounds kind of dubious. Chicago police are now acknowledging that they question whether the attack even occurred. There was also a piece of evidence in this case involving Jesse Smollett claimed that a while ago, I'm not sure how long ago it was, three or four weeks, a month, something, that he was getting um, letters in the mail, you know, the kind they put in like scary stories and, uh, you know, maybe real life too it happens, but, you know, they're always writing them into spy thrillers and, and you know, murder mysteries where someone cuts out letters um, to send an anonymous threat, but they don't put, you know, they're not going to put their own handwriting in or their own, you know, uh, word processor, so they just cut out letters and set him, send him some ugly threat mocking his, um, his uh, sexual orientation and his race and telling him they're going to get him, calling him an MFR. Well, in the search of these Nigerian brothers' apartment, they actually came across magazines that appear to have been the ones that were, had the letters cut out to, sit, to stick on a page, to glue on a page, to send a letter to Jesse Smollett. It appears these two are behind even those set up. That is not yet confirmed by the police, but that was, uh, it was reported by, acknowledged that police were looking at that as a possibility. So all of this to say that Jesse Smollett's story has fallen apart. Now, a bizarre twist in all this is Jesse Smollett's lawyers came out with a statement today. Today. Now, let me just back up and say, these two brothers, that, that these are his friends. These are his co-workers. These are people who know him, who are now saying, you know what? He told us to do this. They've told the whole story to the police. And so now the police are saying, you know, we really kind of want to talk to Jesse Smollett again. About time to question him, maybe find out what the heck his story is. And Jesse Smollett has now hired several lawyers. He's hired one of the, anyway, he's hired a, a set of lawyers. And the lawyers issued a statement today saying that Jesse Smollett stands by his story. Stands by his story that this was an ugly, racist attack by white people against him. And in fact, one thing he gets to, I really want to, this is the next segment, back to it, is clip four, back to his interview where he's, this, where before his lawyers put this statement out, he, in this interview, is describing how upset he is that more and more people are questioning the story. It feels like if I had said it was a Muslim or Mexican or someone black, I feel like the doubters would have supported me a lot much more, a lot more. And that says a lot about the place that we are in our country right now. The fact that we have these fear mongrels, these people that are trying to separate us and it's just not okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know the term projection, like in psychology, where people accuse the other guy of what they're doing, which is like the Democrat Party's main you know, standard operating procedure, endlessly, day in, day out, accuse Republicans of what they do. 
This guy, he is falsely accused a non-existent pair of two men, white men, they do not exist. His accomplices have told the whole story and he still has the audacity to sit there in an interview and stare you in the face, stare that interview in the face and say, you know, the reason people won't believe this is because, because America's racist, because I accused a white person and no one will believe my story because the perpetrators were white. Had I accused, as he says, a Muslim, a black, a what was his other choice, a Muslim, whatever, you know, his point is, he's saying if he accused someone of color or one of the favored minorities in this country, that no one would question his story. He's trying to blame racism in America for the fact that people have a common sense and have figured out that he made up this attack and the audacity to look you right in the face and say, it's only because you, America, are a bunch of racists that you would dare to question my story. This is racist on his part. This is ugly, this is horrific. And again, don't forget, yes, he has a handsome face and he's smiling and he's persuasive and he's an actor. It's his job. It's what he does for a living, which is why he can sit there and look at you, look at the interviewer, and blame this unfolding hoax. Blame the fact that people are tuned into the reality that he's not telling the truth. And blame racist America instead of coming clean. So this is Jesse. And I'm going to tell you one more thing. Before I get to all the Democrat commenta- uh, commentators about this, Jesse here had a statement out from his lawyers today saying that he stands by his story, he's outraged, hurt, offended, blah, 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 all the things, you know, whatever they say, you know, just outraged. He stands by his story, it's exactly what happened. And, you know, I, I, I was trying to think of an adequate word for this today, getting ready for the show. This is a form of moral insanity. I mean, not just moral idiocy, but pure moral insanity or just insanity. His accomplices, it's like there was a bank robbery and two of the three came forward, said, we did it. It was the three of us and the two of us did this. We're going to help the police. Third guy is that guy. They recount the entire episode. They tell the police what happened. And the third guy says, just acts like there's no possible way they could suspect me. I mean, this guy, he's, he is calling into question or he's mocking his own friends these two nigerian brothers who have no reason in the world to make up the story so i don't think about that they have no reason to make up that to admit to something which is a hoax which they could be charged with perpetrating a hoax on the police department in a, reporting a false crime, being part of a conspiracy to create a, to uh, report a false crime. They could be charged with something. But he has, and this is why I say, this Trump derangement stuff has gotten to the point of pure, flat-out insanity. He is caught. He has nowhere to go. And he won't, he, not only will he not admit it, he looks right in your face. He has his lawyers come out with his statement today, right in your face, right in America's face, saying, stand by my story. When 
everyone in the whole country willing to look at two and add two and get to four realize exactly what he did. But he still thinks somehow he's going to get away with it. He could be prosecuted, by the way. In fact, the police are reported they're convening. There's a grand jury convened for next week. But no one knows who the grand jury is for. Is it to indict him for the hoax? To indict the two Nigerians who played along with the hoax? Is it to invite some unknown suspects? To indict some unknown suspects we haven't seen yet? I can tell you a couple of things. I've been thinking about this guy, Jesse Smollett. First of all, in this interview, he acknowledges those two men he thinks were the perpetrators. And now the two Nigerians said, yeah, that, that's us. There we were. So, you know, he's acknowledged that's the one. They've told what really happened. But stop and think about a couple of things. What was he thinking would happen if the police actually arrested two innocent white guys? What if they found two white guys who were somewhere in the vicinity that night, who had MAGA hats, who could not provide an alibi for the time of the attack? Do you think he would have let them just be prosecuted? I mean, I, I fear he would. He's so invested in this, I am a victim, I am part of the victim class in this country, I am screaming with outrage over having been attacked. He might have let two innocent people be prosecuted rather than face the tr than tell the truth. Now, maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he would have said, okay, wait, wait, wait. I can't let two innocent people go to jail. I don't know what he would have done. But I think what he thought would happen, because some people still trying to take his side are saying, well, you know, obviously, you know, he, these two guys, I mean, Obviously, this guy, Jesse, had something happen to him. And, you know, what if he made up this whole hoax, you know, what did he think would happen? Well, I think what he thought would happen is that the police would never figure out that the two people in the picture were his two Nigerian friends. He didn't turn those names over to the police. I think he thought the police would never identify them. He thought it would go as an unsolved crime. He thought he could add to his bemoaning of the state of American culture that the police didn't even care enough to find the perpetrators, that he just had to be a victim, and the police did not do the same kind of investigation they would have done you know, if he were somebody else. This is a guy, I mean, I'm sure that's what he thought. And so to those of you wondering, thinking this is such a stupid, stupid hoax that it seems incredible, that's what he thought, in my guess. He thought no one would ever be arrested. They'd never identify those two Nigerians and that the story would just be dropped. It's just another horrific tale in uh, America's culture. But I want to just tell you, you know, on this story, it's so important to understand the political ramifications of this story. As you likely know, you know, he, Jesse Smollett, had this uh, story come out January 29th. There is a, by the way, if you're following this, there's a great piece I put it up on our website, americacanwetalk.org. It's a timeline of what happened in this case, an actual timeline day after day after day as his story unravels. But listen to the tweets put out by these, you know, um, people who are, you know, candidates for president, for example, uh, Kamala Harris. By the way, Kamala Harris, good friend of his, personal friend of his, personal friend of Jesse Smollett, who said basically, 
Here's Kamala Harris's tweet. Jesse Smollett is one of the kindest, most gentle human beings I know. I'm praying for his quick recovery. This was an attempted modern day lynching. No one should have to fear for their life because of their sexuality or color of their skin. We must confront this hate. Kamala Harris, Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, Cory Booker, all of these Democrat presidential candidates are seizing on this lie to perpetuate, to move forward their presidential aspirations. The only person on the American, and by the way, the NAACP piled on, I'm gonna get to Trump's role in all this in a moment, but the NAACP piled on, the NAACP piled on, but you know, essentially pointing a finger right back to Trump. The reason this happened to Jesse Smollett is because President Trump is breeding a nation of, he's breeding uh, racial racial hatred. I'm gonna try to find their tweet quickly if I can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, this is NAACP. The recent racist and homophobic attack, blah, blah, is troubling. The rise in hate crimes directly linked to President Donald Trump's racist and xenophobic rhetoric is dangerous for any society to allow a tone. On and on, Cory Booker, all of them. The only Democrat who has quietly deleted her obnoxious tweet when she first believed just this Jesse Smollett guy was Nancy Pelosi. Now she didn't do a big fanfare. She didn't have the courage or honesty to say, you know what, this story is looking really, really dubious. I'm gonna withdraw my attack. Most of these Democrats, most of these Democrats are using this story to further their efforts for their presidential aspirations to turn and make ugly accusations against President Trump. And that's really what I'm gonna close this portion of the show today with is about President Trump. There's just a, there's an effort by the American left since before he even was sworn in and took the oath of office, this idea that Trump's a racist. It is the left wing, you know, mantra talking point about everything. And I'm telling you, it is time for Republicans, for the GOP in Washington, for Trump supporters to fight back against that lie. The left uses the the accusation of someone being a racist, a person is a racist, to malign, to silence, to shut down, to ridicule, to cause you and every American to stop listening to what the person is saying because after all, the left has just told you that person is a racist. This, This horrific conduct on the part of all of these Democrat presidential candidates not coming square with you, not coming up and saying, you know what, actually, turns out we piled on this whole Jesse Smollett thing never happened, it was a hoax, we're embarrassed, we're sorry, or even just go as far as Nancy Pelosi. Take down your, your social messaging. Take down your tweets. Do something. But all of them are fine with the idea of perpetuating a lie, a lie that hurts the culture and fabric of this country, the lie that Jesse Smollett came up with in this hoax, and the other lie that President Trump is a racist, that the whole argument, every issue is to be understood around the paradigm the left is trying to create that President Trump is a racist. I, for one, am sick of letting the left get away with this. This is the opening salvo, the opening argument, the opening point 
on any issue, whether it's border security, building the wall, what to do about the Iranian nuclear deal, what to do about any issue there is. The left wants to start the discussion with, well, Trump's a racist. So now that we know that, uh, how come you are in favor of whatever it is? We have to fight back on that front. President Trump's policies have helped black America more than the policies of any past president in this country, period, full stop. President Trump's policies have brought people out of the prison when they were unfairly treated. He is the one who put together the idea of prison reform and worked with it and passed it. He is the one who is bringing back the idea of self-reliance and jobs and, and family units in, in black communities where they have enough jobs to have food on the table and a self-reliant family unit. President Trump is bringing that back. He's brought more good to this culture and country than the last many presidents. And the idea that all of us are supposed to just be silent and not support Trump because the left starts up with this, Trump is a racist, this has to end. This has to end. The idea that Trump's policies would do so much good and yet somehow the left is gonna run against him and attack him. I mean, if they wanna attack his policies, great. Let's talk policies all day long. Let's talk about who wants a good tax structure, who wants to have a, a, a strong military, who wants to have a secure border, who wants to have you know, tax policy bring jobs back to America. Let's discuss policy. The left cannot discuss their policies because they always fail. So they attack Trump on the, the idea, the lie, well, Trump's a racist, so therefore everything he says and does is to be suspect and to be argued against. We are really in a very much a... I don't even know what to call it in this country, a decision time, a time for wide awake Americans, patriotic Americans, time for thinkers in this country to be alert, to be mindful to what is happening to our political conversation, to what is happening to our country. As America is prospering, as people of every race, ethnicity, national origin, economic stripe are doing better in this country and somehow that the left attacks. And because they can't attack all the good that's happening, they fall back on their trusty, always used, overused line. Well, it's because he's a racist. And the only way we can fight back against that is to denounce it, to not be swayed by it, to point out we're tired of this line from the American left. We want a country that is prosperous and good and fair. And President Trump has brought more of that to this country than any president in modern history. I'm Debbie George S. This is America Can We Talk. I've apparently run out of time because Matt, the producer over there, keeps telling me I did. But I do want to thank you for listening. I also want to encourage you, if you're watching on Facebook Live, to like this Facebook page, share the segments of my show, and also you can review the Facebook page. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I love comments. I try to respond to all the, there's way too many comments, but I do try to respond, especially if you ask a question. You can email me at americakimmytalk at gmail.com and follow me on Twitter at Debbie Can we Talk. The entire reason I do this show, the entire reason I show up every day, Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, is to speak up with the extraordinary, unique greatness that is America and to urge every American to be part of preserving this, this precious experiment in human liberty, America. Talk to you tomorrow, 3 p.m. Central. America. 
Can We Talk? Truth About America.